Welcome to the Everything Early Childhood podcast designed for approved providers, nominated supervisors and other childcare leaders. This fun, lighthearted and very serious podcast features weekly episodes on strategy, advice and conversations with fascinating and inspiring people from across our sector. Join the journey and have access to the tools and inspiration you need to create high-performing childcare businesses. Let's get started. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Everything Early Childhood. This week, we are coming to you on the road. I am currently on a road trip with my mum all the way up the coast um, of Australia. We have left We left Sydney uh, about a week and a half ago. Um, we've spent last week in the beautiful Byron Bay, so that's still in New South Wales, and then we travelled up the coast, so... I am currently sitting in Gympie Library, so thank you so much to everyone here um, for all of your support for making today's episode possible. Um, But it's been amazing. We've just spent the day in Noosa today um, and we look forward to continuing our road trip over the next couple of weeks. If you want to follow along um, on my journey, you can follow me on socials, um, Lisa Brown dash Platinum Education Group. And I've been sharing some really fun reels um, and some photos from our journey each day. But it's really beautiful to be able to spend this precious time with my mum, to be able to travel and see all of the beautiful things and all of the beautiful places that Australia has to offer. And I'm so grateful to be joining you all for another episode today. I hope you have all had a very amazing week wherever you are um, across the world. Today, I want to bring an episode to you on, and I promised this a couple of weeks ago, on the exceeding themes. Now, from February 2018, the three exceeding themes were introduced. What's really interesting about the exceeding themes is that we know in order to get an excellence rating, so to get an excellence rating, you need to achieve exceeding in all seven quality areas. Um, And that one is assessed through a CEQA. Now, in order to apply for that excellence rating, there are certain criteria that you need to meet, which has always been um, the... It's always been the situation and it's always been the process with getting that excellence rating. Now, what is really interesting is that these three exceeding themes are so closely linked to this excellence rating and the bar has definitely been raised for services across Australia. We now need to show evidence And I want to reiterate, I shared a quote a couple of weeks ago or last week that exceeding doesn't mean extra work. Exceeding just means quality work. So it means looking at the work that you are currently doing and how you can ensure that every single thing that you're doing in your service is of a high quality and high standard. So when we look at the exceeding themes, there are obviously three exceeding themes. If you're looking for guidance around these exceeding themes, you can use the Guide to the National Quality Framework, which gives general guidance, reflective questions on the exceeding practices for each standard. And a sequel also has some case studies on their website um, around the seven standards 
and you can I'll add this fact sheet so on determining exceeding NQS for the standards um, it's in a CEQA fact sheet so I'll add that to our private Facebook group so if you're not a member of our Facebook group you don't follow us please look us up on um, Facebook it is the everything early childhood um, Facebook group so we hope to see you there and I'll add this um, fact sheet there so you can all have a look at that as well but let's have a little dig a little bit deeper so to when we conduct whether you're doing your self-assessment and we all need to do that self-assessment process so we talked about that self-assessment process in our previous episode so you may identify some practices that you feel are going above and beyond the meeting national quality standard level to determine if such a practice is consistent with an exceeding NQS rating, three themes need to be demonstrated and evidence needs to be provided to support the claim. So you can demonstrate exceeding NQS level of practice in a variety of ways that suit your particular environment and approach to your practice. So what we want to do is um, we'll go through what the themes are then I'll give you an example and I'll give you two ways that you can use them and help you to understand. So I could never get my head around why they were in the order that they are and they're labelled one, theme one, theme two, theme three. So we'll talk a little bit about those as well. So what you want to do and what I want to encourage your services to do at every single point is that you want to focus on meeting. You want to focus on that meeting level. Once you are confident that your service is meeting all of the elements, then you can focus on exceeding and every single thing that you do in your service should then be working towards an exceeding theme or continuing to embed those in your practice. So it takes time to get exceeding. So all the evidence for exceeding themes needs to be current and you need to show, so if you've implemented something three years ago, you need to show how it is currently embedded in your practice and where that has come from and why. The interesting thing, as I noted, is that the exceeding criteria is almost identical to the criteria for the excellence rating. So the bar has definitely been raised for our sector, which I'm such a fan of. I feel it's, you know, we may, I can't remember the quote exactly, but it's like aim for the stars, um, aim for the moon and you may hit the stars. And that is still amazing. So even if you don't get exceeding, but your practice is to that high standard every single day, because it's not, remember, it's not just doing these things to prepare for assessment and rating or doing these things on the day of assessment and rating your visit it's really important that all of these practices are embedded in your service and in your own practice so let's have a look now remember for the working towards you can get one or more elements of the standard that are not met and that will be a working towards rating the next one is you're meeting the national quality standards. So all the elements of this standards are met. 
So the service may not get exceeding in all three themes for that element, which may push them back to a meeting rating. Then, of course, you've got your exceeding national quality standards, which is when all elements of the standards are met and the service practice reflects all three exceeding themes for every element. So it it can be a little bit tricky because you do need to take note um, of every single element within your practice and make sure that you have covered every single one. So as I said, I'm going to give you two ways that you can do this and um, a system to be able to do that. So to receive an overall rating, exceeding rating, services need to demonstrate how they go above and beyond the standards. So services need to provide evidence of achieving the three exceeding themes in every element of the national quality standard. So there's 44 elements and we need to demonstrate evidence of the three exceeding themes for every individual element. So let's have a look at those three themes. So you've got theme one, which is that your practice is embedded in service operations. So the questions to ask and reflect on in your service are high quality practices consistent across the service for this standard? If so, does the service have processes to ensure consistent high quality practices are in place regardless of the staffing or situation on any given day? Do staff educators have a shared understanding of the service's approach to high quality practice for the standard? national quality standard and assessment and rating. Are you seeing usual high quality practice in line with the service philosophy throughout the day? Consider in relation to all aspects of the standard. Where relevant, this will include during mealtimes, rest times, transitions, nappy changes. So every time within your day, how is this embedded in your service operations? Theme two is looking at your practice is informed by critical reflection. So is the service reflecting on its practice for this standard? If so, is it critical reflection? Critical reflection may involve robust debate. We love a good robust debate here at Platinum Education. Reference theorists or current research or information from outside the service. Incorporate social justice considerations. Hypotheses, test and evaluate different approaches on doing things. It can aid the service in responding to complex situations, challenges and expectations. It can involve more than repetition of events that occurred and it identifies underlying concepts of significance. It can decisions about the practice at the service be linked back to that critical reflection and is that evident in observable practice. Have staff and or educators relevant to their roles and responsibilities shown? A clear understanding of the reasons behind any changes to their practice or continuation of their current practice. And of course, the ability to articulate what they are doing and why. 
So the same thing when we're observing children or planning experiences for children, we really want to understand why and where it's come from. So the same thing with critical reflection, when we're really critically reflecting um, or having that robust debate about a topic, it's really important. And a quote that I heard actually got told this um, and laughed at the time, but now I realise how relevant it is to me um, is that we have two ears and one mouth and that we should use those in that ratio. So my really big tip is that during critical reflection, be patient, really listen to what everybody's perspectives are on that topic and that way that you can get everyone's different opinions and you can then make an informed decision based on um your whole team's perspective. The other thing you can do is once you've got everyone's perspectives, um, opinions um, or beliefs and values, you can then go back and research. So research that and make sure that it is informed by current research and theorists within our practice. So then that way it is informed by critical reflection. The biggest thing with critical reflection, we do it all the time and often it's informal and that's why people don't realize that they are critically reflecting and sometimes those are the best critical reflection sessions that we have within our day but so just make sure that you have a system for making sure that you are documenting that critical reflection One way that our services document their critical reflection sessions is that some of them carry around a little notebook and they'll just make a note of the date um, and they'll just write a quick note of what was discussed during that critical reflection session and then we come together at the end of the month and we add it into, um, we've got this big spreadsheet which has all of our exceeding themes on there for every element just to make sure that we're covering and it's all up to date um, with all of our exceeding themes. Now the biggest thing to right with your critical reflection is what action have you taken so it is not enough to critically reflect on on a um, topic or a practice it's really important to document what action you have taken so for example in theme three which is um, input from your community Um, what you can do is send a survey home to families or even in critical reflection you can send it home to your educators to critically reflect on an article let's say when they write that feedback or when you get receive that feedback make sure that you write on the back of it or make sure that you have a system with making sure that you document that action I get asked a lot Um, should you have evidence folders should you you know for all of the seven quality areas or all of the elements you can definitely have folders Um, it is obviously not that sustainable to have folders anymore and I'm all about saving time so I don't believe on doubling up on anything or photocopying things just to have a piece of paper in an evidence folder What we recommend and what we do with our clients is we set them up with a system um, and a spreadsheet, which every time they've got a piece of evidence, they just add it in there and they put the date and where it's located so that it's documenting it next to that element to show that they have that evidence there and where to find it. And it's really easy if then they write on the back of that piece of evidence what action they've taken. And that clearly demonstrates that critical reflection and putting it in practice and how they put that in their practice as well. 
Then we move on to theme three, which is that your practice is shaped by meaningful engagement with families and or community. This is a really important one. And the funny thing is that I get the most feedback about this from services that it's hard. Like they put things out and families don't answer it. How do we get feedback from families? I get this question so much. My advice to you is to chunk it down, really break it down. If you think families are time poor, the biggest pet hate of families is coming into services, having to search for all of their children's belongings everywhere and waste that time. But if you can really make the most of the time, so one, educate them on how important it is to you to get their feedback. They need to know. You need to tell them. Like this is part of our process. Um, We need that feedback to show that we have meaningful engagement with all of you. So that's one educate them. Number two is to, as I said, chunk it down, break it down. Think about their being, um, you know, them being time poor. So how can you minimize what you are sending to them? So instead of sending out a whole page survey um, or a survey monkey with the link 10 times, maybe you can just post one question. Maybe you can just post one question a week and have that question up on your, um, online platform, whatever you use, and then encourage families to write back. Now, remember, no one wants to be the first person to write back. So to get a really great um, flow and momentum happening, encourage someone to write first. (coughs) So if you know a family and you know one of your families is going to be really diligent and happy to help you, can you just say, hey, we just posted a new question. Can you just write back for me tonight just to encourage others? And they'll be like, yeah, no problem. They love... Some people just love helping. That's their life mission, their life goal. They just love helping. So find those families in your community who are always going to start that process and get that ball rolling with that feedback. You can have a piece of paper in your foyer or a whiteboard or, you know, just that piece of paper next to your iPad for sign in and sign out. Really think about how can you make that time effective. They don't want to spend a lot of time on it. So what can you do to get their feedback? So in regards to theme three, the questions for reflection and to think about here under theme three are, does the service engage with families and or the community, local communities, community organisations, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities and local support agencies in relation to this standard? If so, is the engagement meaningful? Meaningful engagement may, but not does not have to be, consistent or ongoing. Make families and or the community integral in the decision-making process. So involve actively seeking and carefully considering and valuing family and community feedback. And you want, it wants to result in shared decision-making and problem-solving. Foster a culture of inclusiveness and a sense of belonging and result in practice that is tailored and responsive to the needs of children, families and the community. Does this meaningful engagement inform and shape practice? Does the way in which the service engages with family and or the community reflect the service and its context? 
So really think about it. If you're having a problem in your service, I'll give you an example. Um, And this came up over and over and over again and I find it in so many services. So it might be relevant to you. We found that with, with our daily highlights, daily journal, whatever you call it in your service, one, we found that we were spending so much of our time on it and two, we found that it was getting posted during the rest time period um, and then we were not capturing anything from the afternoon. It was like, okay, the day is done now. It's like one o'clock. The daily highlights have all been posted now. Um, no need to do anything else for the rest of the afternoon. Where That's fine. It's all been done. But we want to make sure that the whole day is meaningful for children And we have a saying here at Platinum Education, and that is that we want to make sure that we want to make every moment count. So whether that's our engagements with our children, our interactions, our experiences that we're planning, um, conversations, critical reflection, we want to make sure that whatever we're doing, we're making that moment count. So... For us, it was not good enough to post the daily highlights, even though, yes, they were getting done each day. But what we were finding is that no experiences were happening in the afternoon. The children were just outside and it was just free for all. Um, And we thought and we looked at it, why shouldn't these experiences continue for the entirety of the day? Most of the conversations that we happen with the children are in the morning, which hence would leave the afternoon to be able to plan and engage with all of those conversations and extend on um, and on that learning that can occur. And so we're missing out on all of that valuable time with the children to have those meaningful engagements. So we, instead of us just sitting there, um, because we've made this mistake before. We, in our first year of operating, we had a lot of Muslim families and we decided for our Christmas party that year to not have Santa. And we decided to not have a Christmas party. We just had an end of year party. Um, we were still getting to know our community at that point. And I remember at the Christmas party, oh no, it wasn't a Christmas party, at the end of year party, we had a superhero theme. It was really, really fun. Um, and it was amazing. But halfway through the end of year party, we had one of our families and they were one of our Muslim families. They turned around and said to us, where's Santa? And we said, oh, we we made the decision um, because we thought we were being respectful to you and your needs and your beliefs and your values. So we decided not to have Santa at, our, at the service this year. We decided to have an end of year party instead. And you know what? That family turned around to me and they said, no. They said, you celebrate every single one of our traditions, our um, cultures, our values. This is yours. Please make sure that Santa is here next year. We want to make sure we have a Christmas party. So from us assuming that that family or our families, not just that family, our families in general, Um, wouldn't want to join us in celebrating um, every single one of our cultural, traditional, um, beautiful, amazing celebrations, we just took it upon ourselves to make a decision. Now, if we had have stopped in that moment and actually consulted with our families in that decision-making process, then we would have had the question answered for us. They would have said, we are so happy to have Santa there. We want Santa there. And it would have been amazing. So 
what I'm saying is and what my point is is utilize your community don't just sit there and um, feel like you have to make all of the decisions yourself of course some decisions need to be made quite quickly it's not appropriate to include the families and you don't need to include them in every single thing that you do or every single decision that you make, but it's important to get their input, get their voices, get their opinion, because it might actually surprise you. The other example, I'll go back to what I'm finished, what I was saying earlier about the daily journal. So what we did, we put it out to our families um, and we said, well, we're thinking about moving this to the end of the day because we want to make sure that we capture um, the afternoon experiences And surprisingly, all the feedback that we got back from every single parent was, see if you can guess, they all said, please continue to post them around lunchtime. We really enjoy seeing these moments of our children each day and it helps us to get through the afternoon at work. We love knowing that our children are happy and engaging in all of the experiences and we don't want to wait till the end of the day. So this helped us and this informed our decision making around they still want all of these posts and all of these photos to be posted during that middle of the day. Like this is actually, it's meaningful to them to see their children um, while they're at work and out there earning money to support their family and do amazing things with their family. So what we decided to do based on that feedback instead was to post two highlights. So we post a morning one at midday so they could see the morning and then we do an afternoon session and the last person to go home from each room posts their last photos for the afternoon. So it's a really beautiful process when you can involve people in that decision-making process. It makes things so much more meaningful and beautiful in your service because they're involved um, in that decision-making. And another person to get really active within your community is, um, I know a lot of schools now, they've got a role, which is a community liaison officer. This person in our community was so helpful. Um, I remember connecting with her early days and she just helped us so much to understand all the different cultures, all the different values, all of the different things that were important to families within our community and even where things were, um, what are the common questions that families had and we established that relationship from the beginning um, and it was really, really beautiful. So the question I get asked a lot, well, not really asked, but I question this when the exceeding themes were released in 2018, I questioned why are they in this order? Why does it say theme one, theme two, theme three? Purely, my, I don't actually know why, but my belief is that um, they just put numbers on them to make them easier for the assessor to see them and to mark them um, when they came for their visit. So... What I want to do is I want to introduce you to two ways to use them. So how can we use the exceeding themes? So the first way is an individual approach. So it's to look at the all of the elements 
and it's to look at each get a gathering each piece of evidence so you want to gather your evidence on that it's embedded in your service operations that your practice is informed by critical reflection and that your practice is shaped by meaningful engagement with families and or the community so every element should demonstrate and have a piece of evidence for all three of those themes and you can do that individually, so one at a time. So, um, for example, on the incident, illness and accident record, you can include a comments box for, or for feedback from families. So that would be practices shaped by meaningful engagement with families in the community. And you really want to encourage them to leave feedback because that way, like we always say, I know in so many of our posts, we're like, feedback, feedback, feedback. Feedback is the best thing because then that way you've got that information and you know it is a knowing that you're going to go in a certain direction the other way is a project-based approach so what you can do is you can look at um, a project that you're doing in your service so I'll give you a I'll share a case study with you um, that may help you relate to this project-based approach a bit better so for example a family made a suggestion. Oh, before I go into this case study, I just want to go back to the themes and the order. So why that order? Again, no idea. But when I started to really look at them, they don't have to go in that order. In fact, I think it's actually easier if you start from theme three. So if you get an idea or you get feedback from your family or the community, um, theme three, Then you look at that, you take that back to your team and you critically reflect on that piece of feedback, theme two. Then you can go back to your families and say, um, this is the feedback we got. Does anyone have any further feedback or comments or you might have an extra question? And I'll give you an example in the case study in a minute. Then what you want to do is then go back to your team, critically reflect on the outcome at a team meeting, just... um, informal or formal um, that's completely up to you and your systematic approach to your documentation and then theme one how are we going to embed that in our service operations so what action are we going to take and how are we going to embed that in our service operations so the case study that I've got to share with you here it happened um, and it, we sent out a newsletter. Um, in our newsletter, we had some photos of a charity that we had supported. It, I think it was collecting the care packages for the Anzacs and sending them over for the Anzacs. So um, a family wrote back to the newsletter and said they made a suggestion that they would like us to become more involved in supporting charities. And again, we had made the assumption that they pay enough for our services. Surely they don't want to pay any more. They don't want to do any more. Um, no, let's just support certain charities, but like let's minimise the amount of effort that parents have to contribute to these charities. So we made this decision for them. But this family wrote back and they suggested that they would like us to be more involved in charities, which is so beautiful. So what we did, we reflected on that feedback in our team meeting. So this was documented in our team meeting minutes and we decided that it was a fantastic idea. We loved it, but we wanted to make sure that we were supporting local charities or charities that had directly impacted on our families. So what we did, we posed the question to our families 
um, again, getting that feedback, theme three from our families um, of what charities had impacted them what charities had impacted you. So all the families wrote back. We did it on our online platform and our families wrote back an idea of um, some charities that had impacted them. Then what we decided to do, we took it back to our team meeting and we said, look, these are the top charities that our families had um, contributed. And then we decided that we would embed this into our service by adding them into our yearly calendar of events in line with significant days relating to the charity. So every single quarter, we had a charity event. Um, Sometimes it was at night as well. It wasn't just during the day. It was a big, massive event or sometimes just a little event to collect things. And if people wanted to be involved, they absolutely could. And if they didn't want to be involved, then they had that option as well. There was no um, pressure. But this was some feedback that we added. So every single year, what we did after this to ensure that it was embedded and ensure that it was current, we would have this as a question at the start of the year in our family induction process to ask them what charities um, had impacted you and your family. And that way we made sure that all of the charities were um, directly impacting all of our families within our community. And it was just such a beautiful method. Now, if you use this method, so we called that project our charity project um, and we documented, we document that project specifically in our Exceeding Themes register um, and it's this beautiful template and document which has the timeline and all of our exceeding themes which once you're as I said once your service is at meeting every single piece of documentation that you're adding or your progress notes should be meeting an exceeding theme um, so it's not extra work it is just your progress notes which you need to do for your quality improvement plan anyway So my advice is just make sure that if you do use the project-based approach that you have a system to ensure that you make sure that you have evidence for all three themes for every element. In the project-based approach, you might meet um, like three, four, five different elements from each standard, but it's important to make sure that you've got all three themes covered for every element to make sure that you get exceeding for that element. Now, if you're looking for more guidance, um, we have a free systems and process audit document. Um, This will help you to document all of your systems and processes within your service. Um, One day I just went through and I just documented, we are a really big believer here that systems and processes are the way to freedom. We know that staffing is an issue and the only way to do this is to make sure that all of your staff are on board, your whole team are on board. So when you get new people in, you can give them this um, systems and process audit so that they can understand what that looks like in your service. Some services look through the systems and process audit and they see gaps and they say, oh, crap we don't have a system or a process for that let's develop one Um, when we go in and do our mock A&R visits our our support beautiful support visits um, we can look through your systems and process audit um, and we can do a little bit of an audit for you and give you some feedback some tips some advice with how you can incorporate those exceeding themes within all of your systems and processes 
Um, we can support you to create your quality improvement plan that works for your service and um, get in touch or even a systematic approach for gathering evidence. This is really important because you want to do it as you go. You don't want to then get to your assessment and rating visit. Wow, we've been called. Oh my God. I I know that feeling. That's why I'm, I'm being... Um, yeah, that's <laughs> I get it. I know you, you. It doesn't matter how prepared you are when you get that email. Just that feeling. I I completely understand. So we want to make sure that you're um you're ready. You're ready to go whenever they come. It doesn't matter. It's not stressful. Um, we can make sure that all of that evidence is there, ready to go as you go. Um, and if you are wanting to move over to the self-assessment working document, um, you can purchase the Smash Your Self-Assessment Kit online. Um, and that includes 44 examples of exceeding theme key practice statements um, for you in there as well. But I hope this gives you a little bit of guidance around the exceeding themes. I think it's important and, and I love games and challenges and I look at this as a challenge to, you know, not tick all the boxes. I hear that so much um, and it's, it isn't. It isn't a matter of ticking all the boxes because this is your individual story. This is your opportunity to showcase and legitimately do amazing things within your community. When we involve our community in Theme 3, when we involve our community and our practices meaningfully shaped by our engagement with them, you can make a massive difference to not only the children and the families within your service, but your entire community. So just a little bit of a recap, um, you can look at the themes backwards, so three, two, one, so get that feedback from families, then you can critically reflect and then you can embed that in your service operations. So think about a time when a family has made a suggestion, how did you reflect on this in your practice and how was this embedded in your service operations? Go back, look at those questions. Remember that you can use, um, stop using the guide to the National Quality Framework as that doorstop. As I say, um, there are m general guidance and reflective questions on the exceeding practice for all standards. Um, it isn't really, um, what's the word? It isn't really detailed, which I was surprised when they said that they were going to release more information and guidance on the exceeding themes, I thought that it was going to be in much more detail and it would give us real clarity um, over each of those themes. But that is not the case. However, it is still great to look at those um, within your practice and use it for working through those exceeding themes. But the reason it isn't in you know black and white, like clarity, crystal clear is because every single service is different and every single community is different. So you want to look at what are the important priorities in your area, even speak to your local council, like what are, what's important to them, what are they doing, speak to the police, speak to the ambulance, speak to the fire people, because it is, it's different in every single community. And just a reminder 
to make sure that you are using your exceeding NQS language. So we did talk a lot a lot about this in a previous episode. So go back and listen to that. I believe in the self-assessment episode. Um, and we also talked about um, the national quality standards and the um, assessment and rating process. But just make sure that you are using every day in your writing, in your documentation, that exceeding NQS language. And we've got that Wordle on our Facebook page. So it is a while back. So you can look for that or you can um, message me and I'll send it to you. So you want to reflect, you want to make sure it's comprehensive, it's embedded, it's accessible, it's established, it's predictable, it's well-established, it's available you have discussion, it's individual, you regularly, it's attuned, it's involved, you drive, affirm, respond, choices, actively, range, quality, positive, it enhances, it's best practice, we review, it's promoted, it's stimulating, it's maintained, it's interactive, aspects, stimulating, Involvement, engagement, revise, manage opportunities, maximizes, effective. And my favorite, favorite word is systematically. I love it. And systems breed freedom. So whatever you do, develop a system around it, embed it in your practice and do it over and over and over again. This is the way to make sure that you are covering all of your exceeding themes and I want you to challenge yourself within your own practice to look at those exceeding themes, look at those elements and what evidence can you take to your director or your approved provider to show how you are exceeding in all of those elements. So thank you so much. That concludes today's episode on the exceeding themes. So again, I want to thank the beautiful people here at Gimpy Library for giving me this amazing room um, all to myself to record this podcast today. Um, We are on our way um, up the coast of Queensland, Australia. So our next stop will be Maryvara um, and then hopefully we'll make it up to Cairns um, by the end of this week, early next week. But yeah, I'll keep you posted on my travels. Um, We are meeting up with a few guests um, on our way um, in Harvey Bay and hopefully up in cans to record some amazing podcasts live for you um, which we can't wait to share over the next few weeks Um, some amazing guests um, to interview and share on some amazing topics but as always if you have a topic that you want us to explore of course in these early days of our podcast we're doing quite introductory um episodes because I want to make sure that we're really starting at that foundation that we're really simplifying all of these processes for you because I what I find is that a lot of services can be quite overwhelmed a lot of these contexts and a lot of these um concepts they can sound really difficult or challenging to understand and so what we find is if we can really simplify those for you remember exceeding is not extra work it is just quality work but that starts with the level of understanding that you have around those concepts. So these early episodes um, of our Everything Early Childhood podcast are really about educating you, breaking it down, 
simplifying everything and we can't wait to get stuck into some nitty-gritty really beautiful topics um, as we go through um, in our future episodes but again if you've got any topics that you would love us to explore please get in touch with us or any questions or challenges that we can support you with Um, obviously everything early childhood is powered by platinum education group so you can get in touch with us there um, and we can help you with everything early childhood but thank you so much for joining us for today's episode Um, we love helping you we love knowing that you're all out there and remember to spread kindness like confetti Um, let us know if you love today's episode and we can't wait to catch you next week so keep making every moment count guys and we'll see you again soon Thanks for listening to the Everything Early Childhood podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. We read them all. (laughs) To catch all the latest from me, your host, Lisa Brown, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at lisabrown underscore platinum ed. Thanks again for listening. Keep making every moment count and I'll see you next time.